Welcome to the Eyes Conservation Podcast, where we bring you engaging conversations about wildlife conservation issues from all across the globe. At 16 years old, Julia Barnes learned that the world's coral reefs, rainforests, and fisheries are expected to disappear within her lifetime. For her, action became a necessity, and the journey to make a feature-length film to inspire and engage others in these issues began. She bought a couple of cameras, learned to dive, and set out on a mission to expose the biggest threats facing the ocean. After three years of exploration of these issues, she released Sea of Life, an extraordinarily beautiful film with a powerful message. I spoke with Julia about the ideas behind her work and discovered an awe-inspiring person with passion and grit fighting for the living world. I left our discussion with a new perspective and renewed sense of possibility, and we'll start and finish this episode with her advice for those contemplating a bold undertaking. Let the size of the problem motivate you. Do the biggest thing you can think of. Jump in. Don't wait. Don't underestimate your power. My name is Julia Barnes, and uh, when I was 16, I watched um, Rob Stewart's documentary, Revolution, and I was learning for the first time in that movie that the world's coral reefs, rainforests, and fisheries are expected to be wiped out by the middle of the century, and that was just life-changing for me. It was like everything I love and everything we depend on is in jeopardy, So I left the theater knowing that this was what I needed to dedicate my life to, you know, turning this around. And it took me about a week to figure out that I was going to make a movie to try to tackle this problem. So I, yeah, I came out of the theater and I was like, all right, I want to do, you know, the biggest thing I can possibly think of that will make a difference. And I watched a lot of Rob Stewart's um, talks and interviews online, and he was talking a lot about the power of film, particularly with his first movie, Shark Water, how that, you know, changed the world by opening people's eyes to shark finning and shark fin imports to to China dropped by 70%. So it kind of proved that film could be a really powerful weapon to create change. So after learning about that, I decided that I wanted to make a documentary to try and change the world. And so I just bought a camera, enrolled in a scuba diving course, and set out to make a movie. And at the time, I had no idea that it would turn into this big, crazy adventure over three years in seven different countries. I kind of just thought I could make a film a lot quicker. I had no idea what goes into it. But yeah, it turned into a pretty crazy adventure and something I think is pretty awesome. Before we get too far, could you share with our listeners the details of your film? So the movie is called Sea of Life. And it's a film about the biggest threats facing the ocean. It kind of follows me as a character going on this journey around the world and and filming in different um, locations underwater as well as on land. And it also follows the environmental movement in an effort to try to um, address these challenges. We traveled to a lot of the biggest protests that were going on at the time. So uh, the People's Climate March in New York, and we went to uh, COP21 in Paris for the climate negotiations there. And uh, kind of comes to the conclusion that, you know, everything we've been doing up to this point is not working. And even in Paris, as they were coming to the agreement, we've got an interview with Emily Hunter basically saying that, you know, this is being promoted around the world as like a huge success for the environmental movement. But in her mind, it's actually a failure because it's not going to be enough to save the living world. 
so it's really interesting and and i think it's important to to kind of have that perspective because it means that we've got to do something bigger we've got to step up and as a movement and and do more to tackle this where did your interest in the ocean begin it i mean i watched uh nature documentaries as a kid so i watched um the blue planet like probably a thousand times and I was mesmerized by it but I never imagined that I would have a reason to go into the ocean myself and the idea of scuba diving terrified me as a kid so it just wasn't something that I thought I was going to do um but I just I mean I knew after watching Revolution that that I had to have a huge focus on the ocean in my film because the ocean is like the most important to the survival of life on earth you know what happens there will determine whether or not life can survive into the future it's the basis of our existence so do you like scuba scuba diving now yeah i love it it's like my favorite thing to do what so yeah so you wanna you you had never been scuba diving you were like all right i gotta do this because i gotta make this film yep kind of just forced myself to do it and yeah i was scared going into it i was in a boat um before i did my first uh, ocean dive. I was just on the boat going out and I was gearing up and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not sure if I want to do this. I was freaking out. My heart was racing. And then the, I was really lucky, I guess, because I had a, the captain on the boat just like wouldn't have it. He would not let me sit out the first dive. So he picked me up by the tank and chucked me into the ocean. <laughs> 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 and I took a few breaths and then I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm going to like yeah. this. Yeah. Um, and, and now you, and now you're a scuba diver, which is also quite amazing because I mean, mostly I feel like I, I'm amazed by, by the things that you've been able to do. And it's really wonderful to to hear that you're human, right? (laughs) (laughs) And that you have fears, um, and have, and have had to the challenge of, of having to get over them to, to get where you, you wanted to be. Um, where do you want to be ultimately? Do you, do you see that? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think too much about my own life. I'm just, I just want to live in a world that isn't being destroyed. And in your travels and interviews and adventures, did you find anything that made you go, well, that's a really good idea? Yeah, I mean, I think the most hopeful solution there is, is like, it's almost like the simplest thing is bringing nature back. Because right now, 90% of the fish are gone from the ocean. 75% of the forests are gone from the land. If we let that life come back, we could sequester an enormous amount of carbon in that plant life, in that ocean life. And in doing so, we would be restoring these ecosystems and creating a world that's beautiful where all these species could thrive. So I think that's really exciting. And uh, Cabo Pulmo in the film was a great example of that. It's a marine reserve in Mexico where they stopped fishing and within 10 years, the biomass, the amount of life in the ocean increased by 450%. So now it's teeming with life. It's, it's a thriving ecosystem and it's absolutely beautiful. So it's really amazing how quickly things can turn around if we give it a chance. So so you watched a film, you were very excited about, about this concept of of this medium as a as a tool for change yeah what so and you had no experience in in filmmaking or storytelling or no not at all no I was just a 16 year old kid like I didn't I mean I was interested in like 
fine art, like drawing and painting. That's what I had been doing up until then. And that's what I thought I was going to be doing with the rest of my life. So I really had no experience in film or anything like that. But I'm, I'm just kind of blown away by that concept, mostly because there's a lot of us like, and, and, and sure, certainly being 16 is, is, you know, can stun people simply because just by the fact that it's, you're a young person. But I think anybody, like if they're 16 or they're 70 and they, and they have an inspiration, you know, and to go to, to be able to have that follow through and go out and actually make it happen. What do you think inspired you to be able to do that? Um, it was knowing Rob's story. So Rob Stewart pretty much did the same thing. He started when he was 22 and he went out and made shark water and just the same as me, he had no experience making a movie. So it kind of, you know, proved that it was possible to do it, that you didn't have to go to film school. You didn't have to have a degree. You didn't have to really know anything. You could just pick up a camera and do something amazing. So knowing that that was possible for sure. So tell me about the, um, the individual steps, like when it started out, your vision was smaller how did that evolution happen yeah so when I started I knew that I wanted to focus on oceans and particularly on ocean acidification because I think that's the biggest issue facing the planet right now but I thought in order to make a film all I would have to do is go to the Keys film for like a week underwater you know gather some underwater footage of the coral reefs there interview a couple scientists and maybe I could come back throw it all together and make a movie but it ended up being a lot bigger than that because, you know, I, I would always discover a new scientist who I wanted to interview, a new topic that I wanted to cover that I thought was really important. And then it kind of just evolved really naturally in terms of I was learning new things, learning about new events that I wanted to cover and then being drawn in a certain direction, and kind of going on this journey of exploring the big issues facing the ocean. It truly is just a big thing to accomplish regardless of where you are in life but it is kind of there is something stupendous about being younger because I think I think we have this concept that young people don't think about things and you know in a bigger way and I think what we're all seeing now more than ever is that actually no (laughs) you're a really powerful demographic and how do you respond to to a lot of that criticism of like oh you're young and you know, what do you know, or anything along those lines that, that even, you know, I mean, obviously, some of the dialogue here is why are there, what what are these children saying about the gun issue in the United States, but they're the biggest voices, and they're strong, and they're powerful, and they're very, very smart. So, so from somebody who's done something really bold, where, where do you see the role of young people in in the movement toward making a better world? I think young people are such an important part of this because we have the most at stake you know we're gonna be here when the predictions are all coming to be like 2048 we're predicted to have no reefs no rainforest no fish in the ocean and we're gonna be here when that happens so it's very much our future that's in jeopardy I mean it's it's our present that's in jeopardy it's just uh, I think young people like sort of feel it a lot more than maybe the older generations do and and so I think young people are very much aware of what's going on. And and I've seen a lot of positive things happening with young people stepping up and and doing big things. I think they also understand a lot more the the scale of the problem and the fact that the solutions have to, you know, rise to match it. 
I mean, it's always kind of been talked about as like a future issue and, you know, it's future, it's our, it's our grandchildren, but you know, for us, it's, it's not, it's not. You're like, it's me. I'm the grandchild you were speaking of, (laughs) which is crazy. It is. And it's true. It is very true. What would you say to somebody who, who has that, who has that interest or sees something that they recognize needs a voice and they want to give, to give it. But, you know, I think, I think, I mean, the one thing that impresses me about anyone who does what you did is just having the courage, but where does that come from? Yeah. I mean, to me, it never felt like I really needed courage. It was just, um, I was just doing what was necessary. I mean, it felt like I had, I had no other choice. It's like, everything I love is in jeopardy. So I'm, I'm not just going to sit here and, and watch it get destroyed. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do everything I can. And, and that just seemed like the logical um, action to take. I mean, and there was no question. Yeah, that makes me want to ask, like, what was your childhood like? <laughs> um, <laughs> just because... <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, that's a big thing. I mean, for you to even say it didn't take courage, I just needed to do yeah. it, right? That's that's not, you know, I mean, for me, even, I, I definitely have a, like, uh, everything takes mm. courage because I have to feel like, oh, I'm not sure that I'm capable. I never, I never have that sense. Mm. So, so where does that sense come from? This, like, I've got to do it. I don't know. I mean, like, I grew up, um, you know, I had a creek behind my house and I would go exploring in it and turning over rocks and looking at bugs and catching frogs and chasing snakes. And, you know, that was what I loved about my childhood. Um, there was a park at the end of my street and there were fields of tall grass. They're not there anymore. The city mows them now. But I would go looking through that at the life that lived there. And there were, um, you know, praying mantises and grasshoppers and just, I, I loved bugs as a kid. I loved frogs and snakes and all the creepy crawls and worms. And, you know, I, I still love all these things. I just, I, I'm in love with life on this planet. And uh, I think every creature is beautiful. And uh, yeah, it does, definitely doesn't deserve to be being destroyed and wiped out because of this crazy thing that we've got going on with our culture and civilization and this insanity that's happened in the last few hundred years. And I get, uh, yeah. And the bug world does sort of open your eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love bugs too. They're awesome. <laughs> your ideas about how to make a different world, mm-hmm. right? You're saying, you, you're saying, you know, we've done, we've done a really amazing job at screwing things mm-hmm. up. Um, so what, what do we start to do to, try to I don't want to say fix it because I think fixing it isn't exactly correct I think it's sort of changing course so what what's the what's the course that you you necessarily or that you see um on a large scale it's really pretty simple we just we have to stop the harm and we have to allow for life to come back to this planet and I think nature knows how to fix itself better than we do and it can, and it will take care of itself. But we need to allow it the chance to do so. Um, on the more like human scale, I think education is really important right now because so many people don't know, don't even know that the world we depend on is in jeopardy, and and really don't have a sense of the scale of the problem. I mean, everybody's heard of like climate change and things like that, but I don't think anyone knows that the plankton that produce the oxygen we breathe are in jeopardy. Or that we're losing the fish and the forests and everything. 
uh, that we have the potential to wipe out most life on the planet, maybe within this century. I mean, it's crazy. And, and as including ourselves, people, including yeah. ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and as people become more aware of that, you know, you see the light go off in their head and, and then they get engaged and they want to help and, and do something about it. So I think that's really important. I've worked in climate change for um, many years. And uh, what I found in the beginning was talking to people about climate change. You would, I would, I would, I would watch a glaze go over their eyes because, and a lot of, and you know, and partly I would get that too. Cause I'd be like, I can't take, I mean, even at conferences, I'd, there'd be groups of people. And by the end of the week, everyone would be just like zombies because the world just is gone to hell in the handbasket. Right. And we were all like, Oh my God, we can't talk about how this, how awful this is anymore. So one of the things I tried to do was to shift the conversation somewhat so that we could talk about what we what we could do to change course, to change, to look towards solutions only because that's, and that suddenly I found, and I don't know if you found the same, I'm curious if you found the same thing, but um, I found that that would just open people up because a lot of times the idea of, well, doom and gloom, doom and gloom, there's nothing we can do. We've, you know, we've done all these horrible things. They would just be like, I can't deal. And you could see them like going through their day or whatever. They're, I've got to do all of these things later, but I can't listen to this conversation because it's too big and too scary. Do you run into that too? Or is that? Um, I think it's really important that people understand how big and how scary it is because we need to really feel the magnitude of the problem if we're going to address it adequately. But it's definitely important to understand that it is a solvable problem, that it's not too late, that we can still do something to make a difference. And I think, you know, that's definitely a message that we try to get across in the movie, that no matter how bad things seem, there's always something that's worth fighting for. You know, it's still, we've got to, you know, fight for the living world. I mean, yeah, it's it's not like we can just throw up our hands and, and say, you know, screw it, let the world be destroyed. I mean, film is looking at at how how we change course, how you know, solutions to these problems. How are you developing in your art as a filmmaker, as of this point in time, as an artist? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't even think of myself as an artist. Like, I just I go out, I uh, interview people and collect footage and then edit it all together. I don't know. Like, I, I don't spend much time thinking about the craft of it. I mean, I have a drone now, so oh. that's exciting. <laughs> That is exciting. I guess that's the next step in uh, in upping my game. I'm doing a lot more aerial footage, which will be, you know, a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, the the one thing that I really focus on uh, is just getting across the most important information that I can, and trying to get to the the truth and get to the root of the problems. And uh, yeah, everything else is kind of you know, secondary to that. But yeah, it is absolutely important to like show people some really beautiful imagery and, and to draw people in and make them fall in love with the natural world. That's always a really important part of it as well. And on your productions, how big how big are your crews and you know Oh, it's just me and my mom. <laughs> that really, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Is she a filmmaker too? 
Uh, no, not at all. So she got that bug with you and you, and just went out and... Yeah, I just dragged her along. You know, I needed somebody to film me and to drive me around. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, though. That's good. Yeah. And then, um, and then, and you did all the editing on that project yep. as well? Good Lord. Yeah. Uh, just because I, every time I watch it, I'm like, who was the editor? Because this is beautiful. It's really, oh, it's really beautiful. <laughs> Very well done. Very well. Incredibly, incredibly good. And then as, as, did you guys, I mean, did you have, did you do any, I don't know, Kickstarter campaigns or anything like that? Just to, I'm just trying to think if, if there were people that wanted to do something similar. You know, mm. the thing that obviously stands in people's way a lot of times is, well, how do I get funding for this project? Or right. how do I get this moving? Is there, is there anything that, that you found was, was useful for, for you? Um, I didn't get funding. I mean, I really didn't do anything in a traditional way. And part of that was, I mean, I looked into funding early mm -hmm. on and it was like everything, every grant out there required that you had a track record, that you had produced at least one film before or that you had gone to film school and yeah, as a 16 year old kid in high school, like I, I just wasn't um, compatible with, with any of the offers for funding. So uh, I like just accepted pretty early on that it was going to have to be self-funded. Um, and so that's what I did. I mean, basically what I tell people is I, I took the money that I would have spent going to university and made a movie instead. Right. Yeah. Right. But yes. so, I mean, not that that helps necessarily with other people but yeah definitely I mean there's there's ways of getting it done and, and documentaries don't have to cost a lot of money right. I mean they can be done pretty cheaply cameras are cheap cameras are on your phone I mean they're they're everywhere and um yeah editing programs are super easy to get your hands on and people are generally pretty agreeable to being interviewed so it's not difficult to make a good film and yeah, crowdfunding is definitely an option if you're, I mean, if you've got enough friends, I guess, who want to get behind you. Right, right, yeah. right. I, so it is amazing though, because, because I work with a lot of different um, scientists in, in the past. I've, mm -hmm. I've worked in science communication and, and one of the things that we're, um, I, I was always trying to do is to teach scientists how to communicate about the work that they're doing themselves mm -hmm. because they're out in the field and you know yeah. um and they're and they're in on the ground in those moments so so cap so you know here's how to capture this and and tell these stories but i it is interesting and i, I you know part of me is like I, I wonder if it has something to do with that education because they were so steeped in science education you know, that that they can't even really operate a camera in a way that makes sense, right? There are times where I'm right. like, no, 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 that's not even an image, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, no, that's not a meaningful image, I should say. So, right, okay. there's there's different ways. And, and, and so, and that's the one thing about your film that that I found really amazing was that the footage is, is really beautiful. And I, yeah. and I do think that there is something... There's something, it's not, I don't think it's straightforward for, it's not straight, straightforward for a lot of people to pick up a camera, figure it yeah. out, first of all. Um, and, right. And then second of all, understand how to capture images in a way that are, that come across as meaningful for other people. So, so in your mind, you're just like, well, that's, that's what I did. 
I mean, no, I mean, it took me a while and I, I made every mistake possible. You know, I shot footage that was out of focus and shaky and just absolutely awful. Oh, good. But I, every time I, I did those things, I mean, I learned from it and, and did things differently the next time. And so, yeah, it, it took a while to figure out, but then you get the hang of it eventually. So what was the learning curve and, and how much time did you put in to, to figuring it out? So it took three years to make the movie, and the entire time there's a really steep learning curve. I mean, I think I'm way better at making a film now than I was when I started out. And if I were to start, you know, if I had to start this one over, I, I think I could do it a lot quicker and a lot better than I even did with the first one. But, um, yeah, I mean, the first year I was just ripping around with the camera and, and filming things and had no idea what I was doing. And a lot of the footage that I shot early on just got scrapped. You know, but it, it was important. I mean, it was learning and, and I think it's great to learn from experience. Mm -hmm. I think it happens a lot faster and yeah. 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 And and what uh what editing programs do you use? Uh, I use Premiere Pro. Okay. Right. So yeah. just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, and it is it uh, you know, I, I say that only because, you know, there's it, again, your footage looks beautiful, and um, and I've seen some edits that are crazy. Not just again, not a smooth story, not a smooth transi transition. So, so it is interesting um, to have um, for you to have sort of figured that out just by uh, right. to learn by doing. I do. I'm I'm a strong believer in in um, apprenticeship and sort of learning yeah but and the whole idea of learning by doing did you did you work with people at all to like mentors or yeah uh Rob Stewart helped me a lot with this movie um he taught me how to use a camera he gave me a little crash course he was like uh you know turn this button to adjust the ISO and this is how you do the aperture and you know all these little things on the camera that that I had no idea about before that so that was super helpful yeah. and uh but yeah, pretty much from then on, I was off on my own. I mean, I consulted Rob a lot for advice and uh, connecting me with certain people to interview. Uh, so he was really awesome with that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And then along the way, was there anyone that you, re I mean, were you finding that just talking to different people, you were learning different things or? or um... Yeah. I mean, I was always learning and, and kind of putting together this massive puzzle about what's going on uh, with the natural world and the systems that we've created and, and how we're going to turn things around. And so that was always kind of changing in my mind, this this really big picture that I was trying to put together. Um, yeah, but I, not really anybody who I talked to uh, had much to do with film. It was more learning about what was happening to the natural world. And so... Your pre-production planning, how was that? I mean, was that one of those things where you were just like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do it, and then I'm just going to let it emerge? Yeah, there was no planning. <laughs> I mean, I was on a filmmaker panel recently, and they asked some question about, like, writing your script oh, yeah. or something. And I was like, oh, I didn't write a script. Like, I recorded my narration as I was editing. We just recorded it straight into the microphone. I didn't write anything down. I didn't get anything. No, I think I did things pretty different. Yeah. <laughs> but see, I think that's, there's something incredibly beautiful about that. Um, just because, yeah. just because, yeah, I mean, everyone's like, well, you have to go through all this planning and, and planning is helpful 
planning can be good. Yeah, planning is yeah, planning is really good. But I also think having that ability to just kind of let uh, something emerge, or you know, sort of let yeah. it evolve as it as it does. Yeah, and kind of having the freedom to explore different avenues and and to let it change for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I, I mean that's the irony in many ways behind planning. <laughs> because, yeah, because I'm always again I had always been encouraging. Um, um, you know, in the grant, I was working in the grant world and I was always encouraging, um, projects to, to, um, have, have a, they have to have everything planned out for, you know, here's your two, three year project and, you know, what's your plan. And I've, I've always said, okay, that's your plan that you're telling me right now, but things are going to change. We all know things are going to yeah. change. And, and most of the time they do. And sometimes in huge ways, Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. but at least you have an idea of, kind of generally what's happening I don't know I don't know I think there's something Mm -hmm. really wonderful about saying here's what I want to do and and yeah I mean that I I think that's what I'm 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 a little hung up on because I'm like how did you do it (laughs) because I've worked in this world where everyone's like get your plan and you know spend these years having these conversations and you're like I I got inspired I went out and I made it happen that's just insane to me that's right you're like simple Simple. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing truly amazing um yeah uh yeah do you have anything that you sort of really where you're feeling passionate currently about you know an issue maybe that that you're that you feel that people maybe aren't aware of that you want to share some about sure yeah I mean, we can talk about any of the issues in the movie, like uh, ocean acidification, sure. I think is the biggest issue facing the planet right now. And most people have heard of climate change and they know about the effects that increased carbon dioxide emissions are having on the atmosphere. But what most people don't realize is that a lot of the carbon dioxide that we release into the atmosphere doesn't stay in the atmosphere. It gets absorbed into the ocean, making the ocean more acidic. And in a more acidic environment, any animal that builds a shell or a skeleton can't form. And so that's most life in the ocean, including coral reefs, which are home to up to 30% of all species in the ocean at some stage in their life cycle. And it also includes plankton, which produce most of the oxygen in the air that we breathe. So now they're being threatened by ocean acidification. You know, 40% of them are already gone, and we're losing them at a rate of up to 1% a year, which is pretty crazy. So ocean acidification is this massive issue that threatens all life on Earth. And I think it's really important for people to understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think it's a difficult issue for people to comprehend, in part because Mm -hmm. we're land mammals. (laughs) And I do feel like, and I don't, do you encounter that? Because I feel a lot of times we're, you know, there's an alienation from the ocean. For sure. Yeah. The ocean is just out of sight and out of mind. Yeah. People do not think. Yeah. Yeah. We don't live there. I don't know. Like, does it matter? And that's, that's how, how would, that's what I've struggled. And how do you explain why that matters to all of us? I mean, I, I, I understand the, the, that we should care about these species, these organisms, but what about for somebody who is, it's difficult for them to, it's difficult for them to see beyond themselves. So how does yeah. ocean acidification affect somebody who say lives in a landlocked Saskatchewan? 
yeah, I mean, if you don't care about life that lives in the ocean for its own sake, um, you should probably care because it affects the oxygen you breathe. So it's literally your own survival is in jeopardy because of ocean acidification. Uh, so yeah, the oceans are hugely important. I mean, they regulate temperatures and, and circulation uh, on this planet, and they're like the most fundamental part of the carbon cycle. Um, so yeah, as they become more acidic, human life on Earth might not be possible. So we've got to turn that around. <laughs> See, that's a really good, straightforward way to put it, right? Instead yeah. of this like really loaded with science jargon, you know, and then this, and then that, and then this, it's just like, no, if the oceans go down the tubes, then you won't breathe. So <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, right? I, I mean, mostly I, I feel like that and I haven't ever heard it put in terms that clear. That's so that's right. a really amazing thing. Um, but ocean acidification in general, I think, is is something that I really think people struggle to get to wrap their minds around. And how do you how did yeah. you try to um, get that across in your film? Um, well, the really cool thing is that I got to work with some footage from bubble vents in Papua New Guinea. So there's an area in Papua New Guinea where uh, carbon dioxide is bubbling out of the seafloor. It's these uh, volcanic vents. And so it's kind of like a time machine. It simulates uh, future conditions if ocean acidification were to continue into the future. And the coral that used to live there is now dissolving and turning to rubble. So it's a really visual way of, of seeing you know, what ocean acidification will look like in the future. You can see it happening right now in this area where the ocean is more acidic. So I used a lot of that footage in the movie, and I think that's really cool to be able to show that that's happening. Yeah, that was a very powerful segment. Um, and do you feel like like the visuals have a power more than, say, a lecture or... Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and... and just in in for on for you but in for other people as well and I mean do do you feel like it just conveys a level of understanding and story in story in general that it is harder to portray otherwise yeah I think films really help people connect to an issue because you get to kind of throw everything at them at once you can show them science and information and images and music and uh, you know all these things that really hit people on an emotional level and uh you know having a conversation with somebody is a really different experience i mean like i i talk to lots of people about ocean acidification and and they don't really care they don't really come away from that conversation being changed but when you sit people in front of a screen and show them a movie for 90 minutes and, and suck them into this world and, and expose them to all this information it, it's profoundly different i mean it it has a much bigger impact on them and you know you're you're showing them so many experts talking about something they don't just have to trust you i mean they're seeing it coming from all these different sources and and they're seeing it visually i mean it's kind of something that they can't uh argue with right yeah yeah that's very true and and yeah and i do think it has uh it has a different it hits a d different tenor Right. There's just like a different note that you're able to comprehend. So what do you think as far as as where you're at in terms of you've you've built this film, you've created it and put it out there in the world. And, and what's next? What's what's sort of churning for you in terms of what you think the world needs to know and learn? And what are you learning? 
So right now I'm working on a second movie, which is going to be all about um, solutions to environmental problems and actually exposing how a lot of the so-called solutions are, are actually pretty harmful to the natural world. So it's kind of going to shed light on a pretty big scandal in the environmental movement. The fact that a lot of what we've been told we should be working towards is actually detrimental and that we really need to shift our focus and go in a different direction. I don't want you to give your film away, but are there any hints toward <laughs> some of these components or do you want to keep that sort of under wraps? I think I'm going to keep it a bit of a secret right now. I mean, hopefully in future episodes, we can talk a lot more about this, but yeah, as I'm, as I'm going in and doing a lot more interviews about this, I kind of want to, yeah. Aside from this next film, is there anything else that you're that you're working on? Uh, just getting Sea of Life seen by as many people as possible. I've been like emailing environmental groups and, and just offering it to everybody who I can because I just I want to get it out there. And yeah, I'm that's the one thing I'm not sure how to do. I mean, making a movie was the easy part, but like figuring out how to spread that message is a bit more difficult. Yeah, getting eyeballs is always. Is, is always a challenge. A, one piece of advice that you would give to, to someone who's like, who's feeling basically, you know, looking at an issue, regardless of what the issue is and saying, I want to do something about this. Well, what would you, what, what's your piece of advice? Let the size of the problem motivate you. Do the biggest thing you can think of. Jump in. Don't wait. Don't underestimate your power. So Sea of Life is available on seaoflifemovie.com. Uh, uh, so you can order a DVD or rent it or buy it online and watch it. To learn more about Sea of Life, you can find links on the show notes page at wildlandsinc.org slash EOC147. This episode was produced and hosted by myself, Catherine Dunning. Our theme music is by The Humidors.